This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod, PuckCast, with Statsman and AJ, brought to you with the support from our pals at Owner's Box, with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports, and I'm having a ball with it. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz 24 back in the co-host chair in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. Partner, we're two weeks into the schedule, and there have been some COVID-related impacts, three of them that I want to get your reaction to. In Washington, four star players, including Ovechkin and Samsonov, their number one goalie, are out after breaking with prescribed protocols with the club being fined $100,000 by the league. In Dallas, there was a delayed start to the season, condensing their schedule right off the bat, also due to COVID impacting a number of their players. And finally, in San Jose, they have been pressed to move their home games to Arizona in the first week of February and possibly beyond due to a sports ban in Santa Clara, specifically a contact sports ban that has been imposed there. So let me get your thoughts and welcome you aboard for this week, partner. Yeah, glad to be back and, and talking hockey again this week. You know, I think the, the most interesting thing, let's not forget Carolina had uh, a handful of games canceled as well um, due to COVID uh, kind of outbreak there. And really, I mean, you're looking at a central division that's had games lost for Dallas and Carolina. Now they are really going to be playing a lot of games. I've seen in, in, in many cases you're talking about, uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but like 50 to 54 games in about a hundred day span. So really, um, a lot of back-to-backs upcoming for, for a lot of those guys. And so it's definitely tough. Uh, look, as far as the Washington situation goes, you know, maybe this is hopefully a lesson learned for everybody around the league. Uh, obviously, uh, they had one player that, that ended up testing positive, but because they had, you know, kind of gone outside of the protocols, those three others had to quarantine. And, you know, we originally, you know, are – our news gets tweeted out on the, the Rotowire NHL Twitter page. And we had somebody immediately respond, wait, four games. You mean four days, right? And we are like, no, no, we don't. We, <laughs> we do mean 
uh, in fact, four, uh, four games. And so it's a pretty significant impact for the Washington Capitals there. So, uh, you know, it's important for the players to do what they can. Uh, you know, I always rely on the Penguins when talking about it. And Coach Mike Sullivan in the whole situation has talked about controlling the controllables. And, you know, not exposing or limiting your exposure as much as possible is a controllable. Um, and that's going to be up to the players, the coaches, the support staff. I mean, that's everybody, the, the media people that are coming to, to games and stuff. And so you got to do what you got to do so we can, you know, have some hockey and look, hopefully we'll have vaccines rolling out uh, across both the U S and Canada here as much as possible. And we can, you know, get back to, to more semblance of normal here soon. Yeah, that fine really tells you how seriously the league wants the teams to take this. And uh, you hope that while these three teams, uh, four if you include Carolina, and let's do that, there's at least 27 other teams that are learning from their the exploits of these other uh, clubs. And hopefully uh, they, take, they all take it seriously and we don't have as many blips going forward because uh, we know that it can really be a disruption, obviously. And uh, already we're dealing with a condensed schedule and it's going to be ridiculous if it gets condensed much more than it is right now. In other news, AJ, there was a big trade, uh, former number, formerly the second and third drafts in the 2016 NHL draft. They were dealt for one another last week. Patrick Laine moving on from Winnipeg and going to Columbus along with Jack Ruslavik and uh, moving to Columbus in exchange. Winnipeg gets Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third round draft pick in 2022. I have my own thoughts on this, AJ, but I want to hear from you first. Who won this deal and uh, what do you think precipitated it? Well, I think it's fair to look at this and say that maybe this was actually a, a win-win deal for everybody. You've got three players, uh, all of whom ha- didn't want to, to be where they were at. Now, um, Roslavic was actually, in my opinion, the most vocal about that with not signing his free agent tender. He's actually from Columbus, and so he was uh, in, in Columbus already when this move got made. So that was perfect for him. Obviously we saw what happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois being benched for two periods of a game. And then they were going to scratch him, uh, for the, for that next game. If he hadn't been traded, uh, line showed up and played really well opening night, but picked up an injury, uh, there. So all, but all three players didn't want to be where they were anymore. So for these teams to work together with each other to resolve that situation, uh, I do think is a win-win all around. Now, if I have to pick a winner, I'm going to give the slight edge to Winnipeg. I, I understand uh, that line A is a 40-goal scorer, and they expect that Roslava could, down the road, push for a top-six role as well. But look, top centers are, are not cheap, and they already have one in Winnipeg. So to get uh, you know a guy that on most other teams is going to be your number one center to be your number two behind Mark Shifley, well, that, that's just an abundance of talent down the middle. They can use Paul Stastny as their third line center or move him to the wing. So really, I, I think overall Winnipeg probably wins this deal, though a lot of it I think will depend on what Columbus does in terms of a contract for Patrick Line down the road. Yeah, you mentioned the contract situation. Both of them are pending RFAs, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for both players and their respective clubs. I expect them both to be retained, no question. Winnipeg comes out of this with great depth at center, almost unequaled around the league when you consider Paul Stastny is the number three now in that mix, and so they'll have the opportunity to, to uh, really make uh, nightmares for opposing coaches in terms of planning what to do against them. And I think you mentioned also Jack Roslavic included in the deal. Look, I project this guy to be a top six guy too. So that gives the, the Jets 
two top six guys in return for one. And the concern that I have from the Columbus side is the center depth over there. Who's going to play at center with Patrick Laine? It looks like it's going to be Max Domi. And you and I both know, AJ, that in the last couple of years, Domi's been up and down like a yo-yo or a toilet seat. And uh, <laughs> consistency really been lacking in his game. And, and I think Laine needs that. Or else he's going to turn into a Phil Kessel, a guy who has tons of skill, but really has never not played with... Phil hasn't played with top centers uh, on a regular basis. He's been a third liner uh, in, in his, some, a lot of his time in Pittsburgh. And in Winnipeg, certainly the talent pool is a little bit lesser than it was. I mean, in Arizona, it was less than it was in Pittsburgh for him, if I can draw that parallel. I think the same thing applies to Line 8. The skill of the players around him is not going to be near his equal. So while there is some good depth in terms of guys that will get you 30 to 40 points a season, there's no one guy that's going to be a driver that's going to be a dynamic duo partner for, for Line 8. And that's my concern for him. Sure, he's a sniper but that might be unequaled, but I don't know who's going to feed him the puck, AJ. And that's, that's a bit of a red flag for me if I'm looking at this deal. Look, man, our, our plan today is to give updates on each of the 31 teams as we always do. But before we go there, AJ, I know you want to give our listeners a reminder of our primary sponsor at Owner's Box. Hey, NHL fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. The best part about weekly fantasy sports is there's no long-term commitment. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways. Add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you have what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. Okay, partner, this week I'll go first as we wind our way through each NHL roster with lineup and injury news and notes as well as stats updates on some players that are going to be keys to your fantasy hockey planning. Beginning with the Anaheim Ducks, Josh Manson joins Brendan Gooley on the injured list. He's going to be out for a few weeks with a shoulder hurt. It looks like an oblique injury, rather, uh, I should say. And uh, so that means that the defense has been weakened, and uh, that's a team that's offensively challenged. So that's a bit of a concern for me when the other side of the puck is now threatened. To give you a sense for some of the numbers, Danton Heinen, uh, who's supposed to try and lock up a top six role over here, has not produced much offense at all. One assist through six games. On the back end, Cam Fowler, supposed to be their power play quarterback, or at least one of them, one point in six games for him. So that's an indication of the offensive struggles that they're dealing with. A couple of key players there that are not pulling the weight. And uh, 
Of course, their surmise on Ryan Getzlaff. He does have have three helpers through six games, carrying a big price tag over here at over eight million bucks in the last year of that deal. And uh, the veteran center has to do more scoring than one point every two games to uh, lead this squad. AJ, some concerns offensively for me in Anaheim. Well, and that continues on to the back end too. You talk about Kevin Shattenkirk brought in uh, to provide some offense from that blue line, just one assist in uh in those six games and the other you know overall concern look we we talked about individual players that are having uh scoring problems as a team they're averaging just 1.83 goals per game through the first six contests somehow they still have picked up six points over that stretch with a pair of wins and a pair of overtime losses and that's solely on the shoulders of of john gibson here he's got a 0.938 save percentage at at some point this something's got to give He's going to need some more offensive support here to, to get through it. We'll take a look at the Arizona Coyotes next uh, from, you know, top to bottom, pretty healthy in terms overall, other than the obvious Oliver Ekman Larson continued absence. They were talking yesterday that uh, they want him to join them for their upcoming six game road trip, even if he's not able to play. And so that indicates to me that they're probably not really expecting him back over that stretch. Ilya Labushkin is going is in Arizona. Finally, uh, I expect him to push for a top, uh, you know, one of the, the six spots on the blue line here once he finishes his quarantine. So we're still probably a week away um, from seeing him in action. But I expect he'll challenge a guy like the youngster Victor Soderstrom, who's in a third pairing spot or Jordan or same on that third pair. Labushkin will definitely challenge there on the front end. You know, you've got uh, pretty much the same group that you're used to. Garland, Schmaltz, and Kajula holding up the top spots here for uh, for the the um, uh, Yotes, rather. And, you know, there's still, there has to be a bit, bit of a concern on the blue line. They have to hope that Lubushkin comes in and makes an impact because Oliver ekman Larson projected to be out for four more weeks. That's a big blow to their back end. And we mentioned Phil the Thrill off the top. He's off to a great start with four goals. I was surprised you didn't take that one. AJ, but I'll mention I'll mention one of your favorite players in the league. Uh, in in Boston, of course, there's excitement because David Pasternak looks like he's just about ready to rejoin the lineup. There was a he wore the regular sweater at practice yesterday instead of the injury designated jersey, and that tells people that he's not far off. Projection is that he won't play in the first, next two games, but he should be available on the weekend. So owners of Pasternak, you can plug him in uh, right about that time. He'll be ready to go, I'm sure, and that means that Jake DeBrusque will lose the gig on the top line but and uh, Jake Studnicka may move down uh, a little bit too on the depth chart he was given an opportunity didn't really run with it uh, to the extent that I thought he could to threaten a top six role on an ongoing basis but uh, such is life he'll probably get another shot and uh, the Bruins are trying to do a little bit of a makeover offensively Nick Ritchie has been a guy a little bit more productive than he has in the past and he's striving on the left side of David Krejci and uh, that's a good situation for him because Krejci is a very good distributor of the puck and I I like to ha- highlight second line centers AJ whenever I can particularly as they're veteran types who can drive a second scoring unit and Krejci's done that his whole career so the beneficiaries uh, going forward will be Richie and DeBrusque once Pasternak lines up over there the defense has had a bit of a makeover with the departure of Tory Krug and uh, Zdeno Chara as we mentioned 
Charlie McCoy has been tasked with being the power play quarterback. Not off to a great start yet, but we expect him to, to grow into that role and really no competition for that role as the, the fact of the matter is there's not a lot of offensive skill among that back end. Matt Grizzlick might be the second guy, but he's listed day-to-day as well with a minor injury at the moment. So uh, the Bruins trying to flip things around from the veteran script that they've had in the past by necessity with some departures and some guys have got to deliver more than they have so far and one of those guys i think that does need to add a little bit more is brandon carlo who's in uh you know the second pairing right now uh i get this is not a guy you're expecting like tory krug numbers out of but more than one goal uh through the first five games here maybe some assists really is what you're looking for out of him he had 19 points in 67 games last year uh and you would expect him to take a bigger role especially as you mentioned with Krizelchek out of the lineup for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, it looks like Carter Hutton is getting close to coming back and, and possibly being available. They moved Jonas Johansson down to the taxi squad. So that would indicate to me, they're expecting Hutton to go perhaps as early as today. Uh, so that's good news for the, the Sabres as they kind of get their one, two tandem of Hutton and Linus Olmark back. Not too many other injury concerns here. Uh, offensively, you know, there might be some people a little worried about the fact that Jack Eichel doesn't have any goals through the first six games. Look, that's not a concern to me. He's got seven helpers. He's playing with a guy like Taylor Hall, who, you know, Hall's got one goal and five assists. So, uh, you know, Eichel can just shuffle the puck around as far as I'm concerned to his, his line mates here, Sam Reinhardt, uh, on the other side. So they're producing fine. Now, I will say a lot of that production is coming on the power play. Um, so there, there might be some five on five concerns here. You look at Eichel four of seven, uh, Hall is three of six, three of five for Victor Olofsson. You get the point right on down that most of their production is coming with the man advantage, which it it feels like these guys can't win with us. Right. Paul, (laughs) we talk about one team. Oh, they're not doing it. Their power play is not producing. And then we get to Buffalo and it's like, Oh, their power, only their power play is producing. But um, it's not a big concern, especially from a fantasy standpoint, right? You don't care where, where that production is coming from. Now, if you're a Sabres fan, maybe then it's a bit more of a concern. Yeah, and the one guy that I'm a little bit uh, spooked by is, is a poor start so far is Rasmus Dahlin. No points in six games and a minus five. He does have 19 shots on goal to show you that he's trying to generate some offense. It's just not capital... Uh, turning into points at the moment but i think he's going to be their leading scorer among defensemen uh, when the season's done so hang in there if you're an owner of dalian he'll get his game around ra- uh, to the scoring side of things uh, right it very soon i i do believe jeff skinner though continues to flounder and that big contract is something we're going to probably talk about all year long one assist in six games i'm more concerned about him writing uh, his situation with, with a depth role in the roster right now they're not trusting him with significant minutes uh, among the top six aj so that's a bit of a concern for me uh, going forward in buffalo in carolina this is a team that has relied on uh, a bit of a european or so Russian Finnish influence. Uh, Sebastian Aho, Teravainen, the dynamic duo in the league, uh, has established themselves one of the top duos in the league. But Teravainen dealing with uh, a temporary injury designation, as are a whole host of others on this roster. Warren Fogel, Jordan Martinuk, Jordan Stahl, Jesper Fast. I'm, I'm certain this is all COVID-related, AJ, and Jacob Slavin on defense. So it's ravaged this roster, and uh, teams that are playing them up next might be playing 
with a, the advantage of having this this roster being very very significantly depleted, and uh, that's a bit of a concern because they figured to me to be one of the better teams in this division. But uh, this challenge early on is uh, probably a, a very difficult one that they didn't see coming. Well, and it's a question. You know, the league announced yesterday that today's game was rescheduled. No word on Thursday, um, so it's we're going to have to wait and see at this point. I think whether or not. Um, they are going to play on Thursday or not. And if they don't, again, we're just further condensing and condensing the schedule for the central division. Uh, really interesting that a lot of these have come all in one division. I, I think it's just mere happenstance, um, but it, it, it is unfortunate that it hasn't really been spread out. We'll uh, dive in uh, to the Calgary flames. Uh, just one kind of major injury concern for them. That's Dylan Dubay. Lower body injury continues to not practice. And so I would expect he'll probably miss uh, today's game as well, unless he shows up at the morning skate. Otherwise, pretty healthy lineup here. Jacob Markstrom continues to see the bulk of the workload. Uh, two one and one in four starts for the, the team. Uh, you know, he's, he's taken all of the workload, in fact. So uh, I would expect at some point, maybe this week, maybe next week, we'll get our first uh, look at David Riddich for the year. Um, but yeah, they're going to just ride Markstrom. When you bring a guy in to pay him that much money, uh, it's not to sit on the bench. That is for sure. Yeah. And, uh, I figured that Matthew Tuchuk wouldn't take long to make enemies around the league. He did make some in Toronto on the weekend when he conveniently landed with his knees on the back of a, a prone goaltender, Jack Campbell, late in the game there in a wild flurry around the net when Calgary was trying to get back in the game against the Leafs there. But, uh, you know, this guy's going to drive people nuts, and yet he's still a very capable goal scorer, the kind of guy you'd love to have on your team, but you hate like heck to play against him. And uh, tonight's tilt, the Leafs have brought up a guy, a feisty guy. We'll get to him later in the, in the broadcast, but I think there could be some fireworks in Cowtown this evening with the rematch of that game, so something that I'm looking forward to. But in terms of the rest of the roster, Andrew, Andrew Manjapani has now established himself as a top six winger. He's off to a bit of a slow start this year, though, with only one assist and a minus two playing alongside Elias Lindholm and Matthew Tuchuk on a revamped second line they're swapping back and forth actually first and second line roles and keeping an eye on Dominic Simone partnered with Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau that's a good situation for him because that's another dynamic duo one of the top ones in this division for sure as well they're trying to stretch the roster too by developing a third scoring line Sam Bennett and Michael Backlund driving that alongside Josh Levo so I like the forward depth here but I'm a little concerned about the back end AJ when I think Mark Giordano they're relying on him to carry big minutes again and he's getting a little long on the tooth at age 38 I believe and partnered with Rasmus Anderson tasked with being a first line uh, of defense there uh, Chris Tanev a heck of an addition this might have been one of the sneaky good additions in this division going forward and it could make his partnership with Noah Hannafin, Hannafin a real solid duo there kind of I feel better about them than the first pairing actually AJ and then <laughs> from there it gets a little bit weaker than for me Yusuf Valamaki and Nikita Nesterov both a little bit uh, challenged in terms of the scoring side of the game and hopefully uh, they're going to be able to hang, handle the defensive responsibility that might come with shadowing some of the team, other teams uh, top secondary duos of scoring let's say and I too, I too am wondering when are they going to put big save Dave back in the lineup but uh, the big signing here was Markstrom and and he has to be counted on to play more of the games here, I guess, going forward. Next. So for, 
Go ahead, Paul. No, go ahead. <laughs> All right. For the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, you know, a, a bit of uh, some injury concerns there in terms of the overall lineup. You've got Adam Bacquist is in uh, the COVID protocols. Alex Sabrinkat, same status there. So uh, some obvious concerns losing those guys when you consider they're already without Johnny Tejas and Kirby Doc. Uh, look, you know, the the head of our, our hockey department here at Rotowire is a huge Blackhawks fan. Uh, he is loving everything he's getting out of Pius Sutter in that first line center role. Uh, you know, I, I believe he was kidding when he texted me that uh, Sutter was going to walk away with the uh, Rocket Richard trophy this year, but <laughs> you never know. Maybe, maybe he actually believes that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. He's coming off a, a hat trick in, in that game against Detroit. So a real solid outing for him. And maybe that'll, you know, kind of adjust some consistency for him. Obviously he's been thrust in, into a spot that he was going to be nowhere near uh, if this was a fully healthy team, Carl Soderberg, I would imagine will start to move up the depth chart a little bit here after, you know, getting just his first game uh, after, you know, after quarantine period in time. So there's going to be some shuffling uh, to continue with this lineup. We have to see when the Brinkat and Bodquist will be able to come back. So for now it's Kubelik, Sutter and Patty, uh, Patrick Kane on that top line. Uh, and it really gets shuffled up from there. And it will continue to be. So you're going to need to check those depth charts uh, at rotowire.com to figure out where these guys are playing. Yeah, right now they've got a guy named Philip Kurashev on the second line with Dylan Strong. Keep an eye on him because good situation with another good puck distributor who will avoid uh, top checking from the opposition. Carl Soderberg, another good puck distributor in the middle of the ice. So while they have a lot of youngsters uh, sprinkled into the roster, I like the second and third centers here to give the uh, the Hawks lineup a bit of a uh, longer look in terms of depth in the offensive side of the game. Defensively, they're going to be challenged all season long, and that has more to do with the goaltending inexperience. Kevin Lankinen also figures to be in the mix because they're trying to find an answer back there too, AJ. Why don't you take us back in order now and lead us off with Columbus again? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we talked about the trade, and, and that's going to be the biggest thing here is what they do down the middle of this lineup. You mentioned Max Dome going to get the first crack at the center role. We're not going to see Patrick Line tonight. He should be back sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, I, I would imagine that he um, is going to take a few days in terms of, of getting up to speed uh, and, and quarantining and that stuff. Now, I mentioned that uh, with uh, their other acquisition there, Roslavich, he was already in Columbus and he was on the ice yesterday. So he's not playing tonight. And I think that's more of just a practice time and, and fitting in with the new system. He's not crossing the border. So there's no visa kind of uh, quarantine issues there. So he'll jump in, I think immediately into a top six line, a figures to take that first line role. But for now, what we'll see is Nick Foligno, Max Dome, Cam Atkinson across the top and then Boone Jenner, Alex Texier, and Oliver Borkshan, Texier being the big driver of their offense right now with three points and two assists. I, I think this team overall maybe uh, addressed the situation as best that they could, but you're, you were right on, Paul, earlier when you said the depth down the middle is, is just a huge concern now. Yeah, and one guy they might be looking to help on the wing, actually, in terms of what I saw in the playoffs last year, Liam Foody is back off the, fast, off the depth chart uh, 
into a third line role here after being on the taxi squad for earlier on but I think he has a bit of a skill set that lends itself to the offensive side of the game and I can see him certainly threatening a top six role on the left wing because that's been a revolving door they're looking for an answer there Nick Foligno's played anywhere from first to third line and tasked with first line responsibilities I don't think he's ideally suited there so Foodie has an opportunity to leapfrog him and Boone Jenner on that left flank in my opinion Oliver Bjorkstrand and Ken Atkinson a nice look on the right side alongside Patrick Liney on the depth chart on the right wing that's a lot stronger for me so uh, the left side and center uh, depth concerns when I look at it uh, the back end troubling news for the Jackets because Warensky and Jones they've stumbled out of the gate in terms of offensive uh, totals so far and they're one of the best pairings uh, on paper uh, in the last couple of seasons when you look at the offensive cal- the contributions that they've made on a regular basis it just hasn't been coming yet but it will don't don't fret I put them in the same camp as Darlene of the Sabres they'll get it going for too long one of the teams that has no problem getting it going offensively is the Colorado Avalanche partner and uh, the top line intact again McKinnon Randon and Landeskog there's no injury designations among any of the forwards here uh, in in Colorado so that's a great sign for them that they haven't got to deal with that uh, in the early going when last year it really dogged this club all season long and uh, interesting note at center they have moved JT Comfer ahead of Nazem Kadri in the depth chart according to uh, you and uh, our, our team at Rotowire agent maybe you can uh, answer that uh, situation or address that situation for me to see what you guys see in, in that circumstance and uh, Valerie Nichushkin is, remains an intriguing prospect for me on the, uh, on, the on the right side I mean, size, skills. Uh, I'm waiting to see if this guy can put it together. Right now, they're giving him the third-line role. Maybe that's why they put him with Kadri, to, to have him light a fire under the talented right wing. He's been an enigma for me since he came in the league because on, on the face of it, he looks like an uber-skilled guy, just hasn't put it together yet. Maybe this partnership will get the best out of him. Yeah, I don't have much in terms of, you know, uh, maybe why they're putting Kadri in that spot. But that is um, what we've seen coming out of, you know, reports for for practices that they've got Kadri down on that that third line with with JT Comper uh, ahead of him with Brandon Saad and Andre Burakovsky. I have to say this is definitely one of my favorite second lines uh, in the league. Definitely one that I like to use in terms of, you know, stacking and, and, and whatnot in, in my DFS contest. So we'll, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later, maybe a tip of my hand there, but um, it's, it's really a, um, an interesting situation. I, I would imagine that that second line center spot is probably fluid at best. And, and I can only see that changing more often than not. Uh, speaking, you know, of, of fluid situations, the, the Dallas stars had to be, uh, pretty uh, unique in, in getting their, their practice time in with a number of guys out uh, and unavailable. Obviously, they're, they're still without some big-name guys in Ben Bishop, Tyler Sagan, you know, Blake Como's on IR now, uh, Joel Kivaranta, their kind of playoff uh, darling. He's also on injured reserve. So, they're, you know, they've dealt with more than just that kind of COVID designation. Jamie Benn has a lower body injury. He missed their most, you know, their opening uh, opening night game, or rather their second game against Nashville. So uh, some some shuffling around again for them. Jason Dickinson set for a first line role with with Rupe Hansen, Dennis Gurianov, Joe Pavelski, Alexander Radulov, Andrew Cogliano. Look, that's probably not actually their second line. That's just how they list it, and that's how we put it on on our site as well. But if you're asking me 
which is the first line. I'm definitely going to take Pavelski and Radulov as, as that first line. Anton Kudobin will continue to carry the bulk of the starts with, with Bishop out. Uh, they at least have some good news. John Klingberg is back and available. So on the, on the back end, they're at least relatively healthy other than uh, continuing to miss Stephen Johns at this point. They looked so impressive in their first two games, though, didn't they? Boy, oh boy, filling the net with some power play efficiency that uh, you don't expect early on in the season. So while it's a tough start schedule-wise, they have answered the bell, winning their two games in fine style. In Detroit, they, this is a Red Wing team that uh, I, th- I expect bigger things from them as the season goes along. The youngsters starting to get a little more regular ice time on the top six uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin, obviously the, lead, the leaders offensively along with Anthony Mantha, but you're starting to see the impact of some of the other youngsters. Michael Rasmussen, Matthias Brom, they're challenging for top six minutes. Bobby Ryan, a feel-good story, but uh, I wouldn't bet a lot of money on him and spend a lot of DFS uh, opportunities his way because I think it was a, a spark that that I, I don't think he's going to carry all season long. Relegated now to a third line role, that's probably where he's probably best suited here, away from the pressures and uh, certainly giving some of the giving way to some of the other younger guys to take hold of opportunities. But really, a lot of these guys too also listed with day to day situations uh, that keep them out of the lineup in the, ne- in the next little while. Philip Zadina, Robbie Fabry, Darren Helm. That's just three of about six names on the forward ranks and then on the back end John Merrill listed as day-to-day probably a depth option that they'd like to see in the lineup on a regular basis when healthy but Patrick Nemeth uh, being the insulator for Philip Ronick that gives the youngster a chance to free wheel uh, I, th- I have a lot of time for Ronick's game uh, AJ I think he's going to be a linchpin for this power play for years to come and I think I'd like to get a hold of him if I if I had the option in dynasty leagues for sure in Detroit that's going to make some of our friends in the home office smile I'm, I'm optimistic there's a lot of Redwinds fans around you back there so I had to throw that throw them a bone in the nets Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier this is where Detroit really got it right for me AJ a veteran partnership in the nets while there's so much uncertainty ahead of them it's a really good uh, foundation block I'll say for the development of this team going forward and uh, these two guys uh, I would trust them to carry the mail and keep this team in, in games more often than not going forward well, that's a that's a bold call. I, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to say that this is they're going to keep them in games more often than not. But we'll see how that plays out. You know, I think the guys that are going to keep them in games are, are the ones at the top of their, their scoring list. Dylan Larkin, three goals, three assists. Bobby Ryan, four goals, one assist. Tyler Batuzzi, three goals and two assists. So really, these guys, I think, are the most likely to keep them rolling and, and in a good spot. Uh, speaking of guys continuing to roll. Edmonton, you know, they, they've got Leon Dreisaitl, uh, has been unstoppable to start the season, nine points through the first seven games. Uh, you know, that's obviously a, a big boon to have a, a player of his caliber just start the season off on an absolute tear. McDavid uh, surpassing that with 10 points in, in those, those seven games after a bit of a, I mean, we talked about it last week, a, a little bit of a slow start for McDavid. Um, you know, had, had the one big game, uh, against Vancouver, but otherwise was a little quiet over the course of the first week that has obviously changed. He's got three helpers the last time out 
uh, a goal against your Maple Leafs, which I'm sure you you saw, and, uh, <laughs> and you, hey, you at least got the win there. So you know what's you know, that's kind of the best of both worlds, right? You get to watch Connor McDavid. He gets a goal. It's kind of nice to watch, but then your team wins anyway. I, I think that's the best combination. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, you know, really a, a pretty healthy team when you factor in that Oscar Clefbaum it, it won't play this year. He's really the biggest loss for them uh, on this team. I know Mike Smith is still unavailable, but I, I figured he was probably at best going to split this starts with Miko Koskinen, so you really haven't lost a ton there in terms of that. So a very healthy team uh, that is uh, clicking on all cylinders offensively right now. Yeah, I would say there's a couple of cylinders that are coughing a little bit. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, AJ, they brought him over after his stint in Finland to rehabilitate himself. I've not seen anything different. He still hasn't bulged the twine, only a couple of assists so far, despite the fact that he's got a lot of time in the top six. Dominic Cahoon, a guy that you know a lot about, also struggling to hit the net. Uh, he's partnered with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. Yamamoto, a spark plug for this team, and really fits in nicely alongside Dreisaitl, but there's two holes uh, on the top six that they need to fill, and Zach Cassian might soon get a turn regular turn he was getting some time with McDavid's unit earlier on uh, against the Leafs I'll say and uh, I figure he can get back in that role if if Pugliarvi continues to struggle much longer so uh, keep an eye on that situation as well and then as the net minding Miko Koskinen playing every minute for the for the Oilers I think they got to turn and give Skinner a chance just to give Koskinen a, a breather uh, in this condensed schedule. Uh, I don't think you can insulate him forever and wait for that opportunity to see what the kid has. So we'll see what that situation unfolds and looks like. In Florida, this is a team that also relies on one of the top dynamic duos. They've separated them, though. Barkov and Huberdo now split again to try and drive uh, the top two units. Anthony Duclair, a very skilled winger, has not really found consistency in his game yet in Florida, coming off a nice season last year. Carter Verhage, I think he's miscast as a top six winger here, AJ. And uh, I I look for the likes of Frank Vitrano and maybe even Vinny Inostrosa to climb up the left-wing depth chart. There's a bit of uncertainty on that left side. Uh, not so much on the right side where they've got the veteran Patrick Hornquist and a highly touted youngster Owen Tippett on the right flank that give them some depth and a nice look on that right side. Uh, on the blue line, Mackenzie Weger partnered with Aaron Eckblad. I look for him to develop into a, a consistent offensive defenseman eventually, but only one point so far in his game uh, games this season. Keith Yandel is a guy that uh, passed a, land, a milestone with a 100th goal of his career not so long ago and continues to have that iron, iron streak intact, has uh, come off a two-point game last week. So the offensive side of his game is still there, and uh, I, like, I like the fact that they have two guys that can drive the offense from the back end in Yandel and Ekblad. Sergei Gabrowski continues to be a, an enigma for me, AJ. Uh, starting the season with a 381 goals against average, albeit in limited action, one game, and didn't look very impressive in that one, in my opinion, despite uh, turning away 32 of 36 shots. I agree with you. Initial reaction on, on Verhege being on that top line, I'm like, this seems like it doesn't fit, but through the first two games, he's got two goals and an assist. So, I mean, it it worked in the first two, so we'll see how long it lasts. Um, If he can hold on to that spot or not, I think it's going to depend on him continuing to produce. I I agree with you, Paul. I think the initial gut reaction was maybe this, uh, I don't really understand why he's there, but so far so good for them. And, and maybe that, you know, 
Maybe Joel Quenville knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not sold yet, AJ, is what I'm saying. So don't, I'm not buying what they're selling right now with that lineup. No, and I, I agree with that. So, um, you know, for the Los Angeles Kings, uh, I think we, may, at least me personally, I thought we'd see a little bit more of some of their, their youngsters, uh, like an Alex Turcotte, you know, playing in the lineup. Um, he hasn't been available uh, due, to a, due to an injury. Uh, they have a couple other young guys that, that aren't really factoring in that they, they sent down uh, to the minors and whatnot. So a little surprise there, but Andreas Athanasiu, I think, is part of the reason. Uh, he's got uh, you know a, a real strong start to the year, but he's been held without points in the last two games, and I think that's a little bit more indicative of what we'll see out of him. I, I doubt he's going to keep up the, the point per game pace throughout the year. He'll dip off a little bit, I, I think, but still a viable fantasy option filling a top six role for them. Jonathan quick, uh, you know, two, two wins is, is in two game in four, uh, four outings, no, uh, regular, uh, in regulation losses. So, I mean, nothing to complain about when you're getting out of him. I, I get the goals against average is a little high at 3.15, save percentage is just uh, is below 900 right now. But again, he's coming up uh, with the wins and two wins, two overtime losses. That's plenty of points and probably more points than some people thought the Kings would have at this point. That's for sure. And by necessity, they're having to spread their offense uh, and veteran leadership up front. I like what they've done, putting Kopitar, Carter, and Dustin Brown on three different lines to insulate rookies and youngsters. Blake Lizot, Gabriel Velarde, these guys are going to be looked at to carry some of the offensive load down the middle of the ice and have started off fairly well. Uh, offensively at least Athanasiu you you mentioned three goals uh, earlier on but uh, dried up in the last little while he's going to be their star attraction I think among this offensive group going forward this season so I look for him to get on track again very soon question marks abound on the back end though for me it's Drew Doughty and a cast of uh, unknowns really uh, because Ole Mata uh, you knew this was coming, AJ. You knew better than most that he's sunk down to the bottom of the depth chart already. So that leaves Mikey Anderson, Kyle Clegg, Matt Roy. See what I'm talking about? There's not name recognition here. That's because these guys are not worthy of it yet. They haven't done much. And uh, so they need that group to step up to carry their share. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season in L.A. And uh, the, the guy who will be hampered the most by that is Jonathan Quick, who I think should apply for a Purple Heart right away. <laughs> Now, Minnesota, Minnesota Wild, AJ, this is a team that, like I said earlier in the season, I no longer put a big X through this offense because it's looking a little more dynamic, and that has a lot to do with the arrival of Kirill Kaprizov. I think this guy's a contender for the Rookie of the Year award in the NHL. If he continues the early trajectory of his season, I just like the fact that I've seen a lot of highlights involving him, and he seems to be a real driver of this offense. And that makes a pretty dynamic one-two punch on the right wing with Kevin Fiala, who was a lock to be a DFS dynamo in the second half of last season. He seemed to produce every night. And so that's a dynamic look on the right wing. Concern for me is in the middle of the ice, no longer can they rely on the veteran leadership that has departed in the middle. And so they look to the likes of Nick Bukestad and Nick Bonino, a guy I think, in Bonino's case, again, miscast as a, a top six center. I'd like to see him in the three slot, maybe flipping with Joel Eriksson-Eck. But until he gets his game in order, that's the way they lay it out right now. 
on the back end that's the strength of this team AJ we've talked about them uh, at length the quartet of Studer, Brodeen, Spurgeon and Dumba I put that quartet against almost any in the league and then a uh, question mark in the net with Cam Talbot listed as day-to-day that means maybe we'll see some of Capo Kaplan going forward well, I definitely think uh, there are uh, some concerns there without without Talbot, just because of how good he's been so far. But they do have that that stalwart defensive group to help, and I love the acquisition of Ian Cole uh, to that back end. I think he, you know, really kind of helps uh, stabilize that in terms of a, a defensive guy in that third pairing. You know, they were going into the season. With, yeah, Petterin, maybe Carson Southey, maybe Matt Burkowski. Uh, and I think Ian Cole really solidifies that and is a good addition for a team that already uh, was coming from a position of strength when it comes to that, that back end. So that should hopefully help kind of ease the burden here. But I do think uh, they are going to need Cam Talbot to avoid being out for too long because if it is a, a lengthy absence, I think that's just a lot to throw at a guy like Kakonen with without too much NA, NHL experience. Paul, we'll get to your favorite club now, the Montreal uh, <laughs> Canadiens. I know how much you, you love uh, seeing them atop the league standings right now. I'm sure that uh, the conference standings, I'm sure that. It's early. It's early. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, I, I think this is uh, a, the team to watch right now. You look at the, the goals per game is 4.83 through their first six games. That's only uh, exceeded by Dallas and Florida, who are averaging five goals per game. But those teams have only played two contests each. So Montreal uh, is getting plenty of production. And let's not forget, they got Carey Price between the pipes. So this is a, a dangerous team. They've got a, a bit of a hang-up with Joel Armia picking up an injury, uh, but that didn't really change much for him as they put Corey Perry into the lineup uh, and he scored right away. So, uh, you know, everything just coming up roses for them right now. It's going to be a question of whether they can hold on, but the fact of the matter is the offense doesn't need to be as good as it is right now when you have Carey Price between the between the pipes. Look at you selling Carey Price. If any other goalie had a save percentage of 89.3 or a 315 <laughs> goals against average, you'd say there was some trouble there. I'm going to be the one that says it, AJ. This guy doesn't look like he's been as steady as, as he has been in the past, but it's early on. I expect the veteran to get his game in order, and that's going to be another feather in the cap of this team, which I admit looks very dangerous right now. I'm just. Uh, I just want to make sure that you you tell the truth about Carey Price, AJ. There are some holes in the game <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I got to get that shot in. But uh, look, at Jake Allen has looked like a very steady uh, acquisition. He figured to be, and he's delivered the goods early on. So very nice looking tandem in the nets. And look at the depth chart on the back end. Jeff Petrie now he's no longer a secret, is he? AJ, he's right there uh, as the leading offensive piece on the back end and uh, partner with Jay. Shea Weber in that regard, of course, and Alexander Romanoff. This guy looks like a ten-year veteran already. So the right side of that back end, we highlighted that would be the strength of this team on the blue line. And then uh, up front, 
Dano Suzuki Kotkaniemi, that's a very nice one, two, three. But Jake Evans has given them a viable option as a fourth center uh, with uh, offensive upside in the early returns so far this season. Tyler Toffoli, this guy must be disappointed that he doesn't get to play Vancouver every night because he was lighting it up <laughs> when they faced them on a regular basis, haunting uh, haunting as former West Division rivals. But uh, Jonathan Drouin also figuring in on the scoring, and that's exciting news for Habs fans because this guy has been troubled since the time he set foot in Montreal, but six points in the early going this season uh, also solidifies that top six. Josh Anderson is proving me wrong. He's he's also a guy that's fitting in like a glove on the right side, giving them a nice, very nice look with two feisty guys at the top of that uh, depth chart, Brendan Gallagher and Joey An- Josh Anderson filling the net and contributing offense, but as well as uh, being physical forces for this team. That's not something I said too much in the past. Uh, Montreal was not known for their physicality, but with the addition of Anderson and Toffoli, they have addressed that, and Corey Perry is the third guy that fits that bill as well. Next up, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, This is a team that uh, is hoping for the further development of Jack Hughes. I like what I'm seeing out of him this season. He's uh, he's contributed more offenses than he has in the past, but his running mate was expected to be Nico Heischer, and uh, all of a sudden it looks like Heischer is going to be out for, well, he's he's probably close to returning and making his debut, AJ. So that's some good news around the corner for for this club that uh, that needs offensive sparks uh, from anywhere they can find them. If they can get these two guys rolling, that should be a nice one-two punch at center. Igor Sharangovich has been a, a bit of a surprise revelation to fit into the top six here on the left wing. He's got top-line responsibilities alongside Hughes and Palmieri on the right flanks to give them a, a decent look on the top line, but it's filling in the depth chart below that that has been a troubling spot in Jersey. Miles Wood is a guy that could be uh, a consistent scorer given a regular role, and he's getting a chance now, a second-line left wing. Ditto for Rianni Hukunen. So these are really dress rehearsals for these guys uh, when with a serious shooting, and uh, wonder what we can expect from them going forward, AJ. I don't know what your opinion is of them, but I don't think they're really uh, bona fide top six types yet, but could be the best of, of the lot in Jersey. And that's, that's a bit of a problem for me. I would agree with that. I, I think uh, they'll, they'll, you know, maybe develop into the future and, and move, you know, move forward, but uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. Andreas Johnson uh, being down on their fourth line, no points yet in, in, you know, five games. That's a concern to me when the fact that they brought him in uh, to be, you know, potentially a, a, a challenger for a top six role. And so a, a lot of concern for me with him. And then obviously the, the, the back end, uh, Scott Wedgwood had a shutout, his most recent outing. So I don't want to knock him too much. Um, but I think the first game that Wedgwood played in which he gave up four goals on 35 shots is probably more on par with what they can expect out of him. They're going to need to get Mackenzie Blackwood back sooner rather than later. He had a good start to the season, two wins right off the bat uh, for, for the Devils. We'll look uh, at the Nashville Predators next, and I'll continue with the goalie conversation here. Uh, a bit of a surprise to me. I, I know we've talked about it transitioning to UC Saros. But the fact that Saros has started four of the five games, I think, is a bit more than I anticipated. He did get the hook once, so we've seen Pekka Rene uh, at least play in two games, but he's only gotten one start 
And I'm definitely surprised by that. I thought we'd see a little bit more even uh, division of labor here between these two guys. But clearly, uh, the time for Pickett Rene has passed in, in Nashville, and they're moving full bore ahead with UC Saros. As far as the offensive production goes, you know, you're getting uh, what you expect out of the top line. Philip Forsberg, four goals through the first five games. Victor Arvidsson is the guy giving him the puck. He's got one goal and four assists in those five contests. Luke Coonan, uh, two goals. So, you know, really that's maybe your concern is that Luke Coonan is your third highest scorer. Uh, you look at cost of point per game. So how much is a team paying for every point? And the leader in most expensive cost per point in the league right now is Roman Yossi, who has cost them just over $9 million for one assist, uh, surpassing the $9 million flat that Jeff Skinner has made for his one assist and the $9 million flat for P.K. Subban's one assist. So there are some guys making a lot of money right now for not a lot of points. And Roman Yossi is ahead of the pack there. And that's definitely uh, something that they should be a little worried about. Well, uh, you know what? The concern for me continues to be what it was last year, AJ. And that's the fact they're paying about $16 million for two centers who between them haven't scored yet uh, this season. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, each with a pair of assists in the early going, but they haven't uh, tickled the twine either so far. And that's a big, big issue here because other than that, there's a lot of pieces that are in place uh, around the, on the wings here. So uh, I think those t- two centers, it's been a long time since they've produced regularly. And so maybe that, this is who they are. But if that's the case, the, they've got them on the books for a while. And that's really going to be an albatross, uh, albatross around Nashville's entire look if these guys don't get untracked. The New York Islanders up next. This is a team that is a sneaky one, AJ. You can't take them lightly because they'll check you into the ice, and they have some talent on the, on the forward ranks when you consider Matthew Barzal, Anders Lee, and Jordan Everly, a very nice uh, top unit over there with uh, some young veterans who, uh, who uh, can play at both ends of the ice. Uh, ditto for Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier is nicked up a little bit, listed day-to-day, so they hope to get him back in the fold uh, on a regular basis going forward. They've stretched their offense to a third line with Jean-Gabriel Peugeot's arrival last season, and so that gives them a nice look offensively, and, and the defense is solidified, as we always say, with one of the better shutdown defensive pairings in of Ryan Pollock and Adam Pollock. Uh, Pollock has emerged as one of the top scoring defensemen in, in uh, the league as well. So a nice look at the top end of the uh, roster. But uh, it's the bottom end that kind of makes a bit of a difference, even though they do it on a quiet basis when you consider that, that they've kept a fourth line intact. I haven't seen this anywhere around the league, AJ, but it's been a year's when they featured Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, and Cal Clutterbuck as three whirling dervishes on that fourth unit. It's fun to watch if they're not playing against your favorite team to see what these guys can do on a nightly basis just to make things interesting. Well, I I think the biggest thing that I've noticed through the first, you know, start of the season here is that the long-awaited Ilya Sorokin uh, debut, everything's going to be great for us moving forward. Islanders uh, fan base is not working out so far through the first two games. Now I get there's a transition time, no real training camp. So I'm not saying it's doom and gloom. He'll never be a good NHL player, but two games, two losses and a 0.875 save percentage to show for it. Meanwhile, you got Simeon Baromov has given up one goal in three games, uh, stopping 81 of 82 shot attempts, 
0.988 save percentage there. Uh, I think they need to maybe consider not uh, splitting the workload up as much as they have been and uh, maybe rely on Varlamov a little bit more. Uh, on the other side of, of uh, New York, we've got the Rangers who have moved Alexei Lafreniere up into that first line role with Mika Zabinajad and Chris Kreider. That did not take long to, uh, for him to supplant Pavel Buchnevich on that top spot. Now, is he going to stay there the entire year? Probably not. I would expect you'll see this uh, in and out, but for his part, Buchnevich has just one assist in his last three games. Not the type of production you want uh, out of a guy that's supposed to be on the top line. Artemi Panarin, uh, on the other side of that line, he may be uh, a bit of a concern. No goals in his last three games when you consider that he is a goal scorer, but four assists over that stretch. So not too concerning, in, in my opinion. They do have one kind of injury in Philip Cheadle. He is out uh, right now with an upper body injury. No good indication yet on how long that's going to be, but that's going to stretch their depth down the middle. He had a good start to the year and was really gelling uh, as that kind of third-line center for them. Two goals, one assist through the first five. You remember it wasn't so long ago they wrote a letter to their fans the, the, in New York saying it's going to be a painful rebuild? Well, it's looking like it could be an exciting one if the uh, the teenagers get untracked, and I think they will before too long. You talked about Lafreniere. I mentioned Capo Caco a couple of points so far this season, but uh, I'm looking for him to be a breakout candidate at some point, uh, more than Lafreniere on this roster, just because he has the reps under his belt. He's relegated to third-line minutes at the moment, but I think he's going to cha- get a chance to move up and certainly be featured on the power play. So really, a, a, a dynasty uh, option, in my view, dynasty league option, if you're looking that way, uh, you could do a lot worse than, than stashing Capocaco if you haven't done that already. Lafreniere is going to be just fine, too. This guy is... He's got tons of skill, and he's just getting his feet wet. It's very early on. So don't be discouraged if you're an owner of his thing. Where, when is this rookie hotshot going to score? He will, and he'll score plenty. And he's in a very good spot right now with Kreider and Sabanajad. On that back end, the concern for me is that Jacob Truba is being relegated behind Adam Fox on the depth chart on the power play. And that's limited Truba's offense. One assist so far to his record. When, he, when they landed him in New York, I thought this guy was going to be the linchpin of the their back end but he is maybe uh, in danger of moving even further down that depth chart when you look at the fact that they have other other youngsters that they have faith in including Anthony D'Angelo who has, who's held that role in the past so for me the ownership of Truba makes that contract look a little suspect at the moment in the in the Rangers depth chart and that's another concern uh, in addition to the the others that, that that we have with the youngsters and their inability to score so far. The Ottawa Senators up next. This is a team that I figured would give teams fits. So far, the only team they gave fits is my favorite club. They've been they got shelled last night against Vancouver. AJ seven to one, and I think uh, they 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 have to get that uh, memory expunged as quickly as possible because that's the kind of defeat that could lead to a long losing streak. The way they got dismantled in that one, uh, Bat Murray was shockingly in the nets for all seven goals there. I thought they might pull him and give him a bit of a break, but uh, they didn't, and so he has to wear that one on him on himself. Uh, and uh, looking up front, uh, I'm kind of surprised that they put Josh Norris in as the top line center uh, with uh, 
relatively inexperienced wingers too in terms of Tuchuk and Batherson. But uh, Norris, for his part, has four points so far, uh, minus two uh, on the season. That's despite that seven spot last night. I guess he didn't wear too much of that himself. But I would have rather seen them mix it up with some some veterans in the middle of the ice in the top six. Instead, they've put uh, Chris Tierney and Derek Stepan in the third and fourth line roles. Uh, Artem Anisimov, uh, he's been a second-line center before. He's getting a chance to do that again, hoping to get more out of Evgeny Dadunov. Uh, maybe that's the partnership they figure can work with a puck distributor like Anisimov and a finisher like Dadunov, I think, is the rationale there. Nick Paul on the left side of that second unit, also looking good in the early returns. Tim Stutzle back in the lineup. And uh, this is a highlight reel waiting to happen, Stutzle. In, this, in the clips of the games that I've seen, he's been spectacular, AJ. And uh, once he gets his footing in this league, he's going to be a star for a long, long time. So the pieces are starting to come together offensively in Ottawa. But uh, it's going to be a long year, and they're starting to show why when they match up uh, rather poorly against some of the other Canadian clubs, as we suspected that they would. Well, I had a buddy text me last night and basically like, what the heck is with Matt Murray? Uh, you know, seven goals allowed uh, on the year, three or more goals in all five of his appearances. You know, obviously they, this team has no faith in Marcus Hogberg because why wouldn't you put him in at that point? Right. Uh, you know, with, with Murray getting shelled, uh, I, I was surprised that they didn't, they didn't pull him. And, and really he's had a, a bad, bad start to this season. Look at, at some point, this guy lost all confidence. Um, it looked like maybe it was coming back a little bit uh, prior to the shutdown last season, but I, I don't know what it's going to take to turn him around and, and maybe it never will, which would be really unfortunate because you look at his numbers the first two years in Pittsburgh, this was a great netminder, And there's a reason that they decided to go with him over Marc-Andre Fleury and let Fleury be exposed in that expansion draft. He looked like the real deal, but I don't know if he needs the competition of a veteran guy like, you know, like Flurry pushing him. It didn't seem to do much for him with, with Jari challenging him last year. He kind of just rolled over in, in a lot of ways uh, early on in the season. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I, you know, everything that, that I've read, Matt Murray seems like a very nice guy, a very, um, you know, community oriented guy. And I hope that he can figure this out and get back on track, but I, I'm not real optimistic and I would definitely be worried, you know, uh, if I'm an Ottawa fan, I know there's so many other things to be worried about with this <laughs> team. Um, but it, it's, it's concerning to see the guy that I think you maybe thought at the start of the year, okay, revitalize everything. He'll get back to where he needs to be um, with, with the change of scenery. And that just hasn't been the case. I'll continue with the goalie theme talking about the Philadelphia Flyers, Carter Hart, great start to the year, pair wins over the Penguins. What more could Flyers fans be asking for out of that one? But it's taken a bit of a sour turn for him after uh, those first two games. Uh, three losses in a row has given up four or more goals in each of those contests, including that most recent one where Boston shelled him to the tune of six goals allowed on just 26 shots, a point seven. 6-9 save percentage. And to that end, we are going to see Brian Elliott between the pipes for them tonight. His numbers so far to start the year have been pretty decent. Uh, you consider he's, you know, uh, two two games played, just one start, uh, but a .964 save percentage in that outing. And so I think they're probably going to give him 
a few more opportunities here. Uh, and, and that includes tonight's contest. They've got the offense to show for it. Kevin Hayes, eight points, Travis Konechny, seven, Jacob Borisek, seven. Um, so they got to do something. And, and unfortunately, uh, Hart is, is uh, struggling a bit after those two wins to start the year. Yeah. And another guy who's struggling is Eric Gustafsson, AJ. I thought this guy was going to be a, at least a second pairing defenseman on this club, but you're listing him four deep uh, on the Rotowire depth chart. And that, that's where he's been slotted behind the likes of Robert Hag and Travis Sanheim on that left side of that defense. So that's, that shows you the kind of depth that they have here in Philadelphia. But this is one guy that has an offensive upside to his game that I thought would, would translate into moving up into that grouping. And uh, another guy who's getting more minutes than I thought would, is Shane Gostisbehere. He Well, actually, he is actually is tested positive i got my notes mixed up he tested positive for the covid so he's going to be out for a while longer still it seems let me go back to guys that are playing mark friedman is a guy that stepped up in class the last two games starting to get longer look justin braun as well uh, but that defense should have been a, a strength of this club aj and it's it's reflected in carter hart's numbers the defensive side of the game is lacking in, in philadelphia right now so i'm a little bit surprised by that it's starting to look like a club resemble the club that we lamented for years when they didn't get their goaltending sorted out and was about all their offense and one of the brighter lights among the offensive mix is nolan patrick he's got four points in the early going this season that could be the feel-good story of the year in philadelphia it seems like they have one each of the last couple of seasons with oscar lindblom being the guy that recovered from his cancer scare last season so uh, hope that uh, nolan patrick's return is as successful as as it can be because this guy was a top pick in the nhl draft not so long ago and uh, had some serious issues that uh, limited him physically and in day-to-day life actually for the last couple of seasons so a remarkable comeback for him and he's writing a very nice story in philadelphia there now we get to your favorite club aj and uh, i'll let you wax poetic in just a second here but uh <laughs> I, I think the returns are, are fairly positive uh, if the way I look at it, and I'll leave it to you to dissect it in a little more detail, but the goaltending tandem of Jari and Smith has has been challenged from time to time. Jari wearing a 429 goals against average, and Casey DeSmith, on the other hand, a little bit better at 276. I don't know who, who has the upper hand going forward, but I'm sure when the season started, you were hoping that Jari would be the number one of the number two. Uh, I don't think there's a goalie controversy here. The fig, they figure to split the games fairly evenly over the course of the season, but you must have some feelings one way or another on that. Cody Cece parlaying some recent success into moving up the depth chart. Bit of a surprise for me that they're giving him second line minutes alongside John Marino. He is not a guy that I trusted in Toronto, and I wonder what your observations are of, of Cece. And uh, as well, I'd, I'd like you to comment on Kasperi Kapanen's fit on that second line with Malkin and Zucker now. He's been moved off the line with Sidney Crosby. Crosby back with more familiar partner uh, Brian Rust on the right side there and Jake Gunsell really emerging as as a serious shooter on the left wing I'd like the look of the left wing on on the Penguins depth chart AJ with the one two slots going to Gunsell and Zucker recent acquisitions by this club that uh, solidify this team alongside the two legendary centers well, I just want to point out that you are the one that asked me to comment on a number of situations. So when our <laughs> listeners get annoyed that I spend too long talking about the Penguins, just remember, you asked me about Kapanen, the goalies, and Cody Cece. So I'll start with the netminders here. 
I, I think there's not a ton of concern. Yes. Jari had a pair of bad outings to, to start the year, but he's looked better. He's never actually faced the Washington capitals, which I think, you know, with him struggling in those first two games, they decided to go with the Smith in the first one and then just said, Hey, you know what? The Smith is the guy that seems to have the capitals number. So it'll be interesting to see with six more games this year against Washington. Does Jari get any of those or not? Or do they ride Casey to Smith whenever uh, they're playing Washington? So that's one to definitely monitor in terms of Cody CC. Look, uh, he started the year as a healthy scratch, but they've had, a number of injuries here. Mike Matheson is week to week. Marcus Pedersen is out. Yusel Ricola is out. And that has forced them to move Cody Cece up. They brought in uh, their, their young prospect, Pierre Oliver Joseph, to, to fill out that, that lineup here alongside Chad Ruedel. And I think the biggest compliment that I've seen people use for Joseph over and over again is that he hasn't been noticeable through his first two games. What better compliment for a young defenseman then, you know, he hasn't stood out. So he's obviously not doing anything wrong there. Um, as far as, you know, rounding out the forward compliment, look, we never actually got a, a chance to see Casper Kapanen on that top line. Uh, he had the, the, it took him a while to go through uh, quarantine protocols. So they eased him in on the fourth line uh, and then moved him up to, to the third at one point. But Evan Rodriguez is now going to be out long-term and with Rodriguez hurt, they moved Rust into that first line, and I think he's going to stay there. Casper Kapanen now will slot into the second line uh, as a as a you know kind of rounding out that group with Rodriguez injured long term as well. I'll end my Penguins comments there, and we'll go and we'll talk about the San Jose Sharks. Not a lot to to talk about in terms of injury concerns here. Uh, you know, the biggest kind of thing that that they've showed uh, off the bat. Uh, off the hop here is John Leonard uh, is getting first line responsibilities started out strong with two assists in his first game, but he's been blanked in the, uh, you know, uh, the last five, no points over that stretch. He's getting plenty of opportunities with the power play, which I think is a bit surprising here. It's almost two minutes a game over that stretch. So they're doing everything they can to try and get him going uh, and, and give him every opportunity to, to succeed. But I have to imagine if this slump kind of continues any longer, you're going to see him get bumped out of that top spot uh, by, by somebody, perhaps Ryan Donato. You know, it, offensively, it's the names that you expect for them. Tomas Hurdle with seven, Evander Kane with five, Brent Burns with four, Logan Couture with four. Uh, so not a lot of changes there. Uh, maybe even they consider moving Patrick Marlowe into a more prominent role. He continues to fill a fourth line spot, just one assist through six games. But look, I think all Patrick Marlowe really cares about at this point is just being in the lineup and racking up those game played as he tries to track down uh, Gordy Howe. Yeah, that's a, that's certainly a game watch that uh, is, they probably have a sign up in the arena Italian number of games played there. But uh, you didn't mention Timo Meyer. This guy's been a top six fixture in San Jose. And I think with Leonard's struggles, I, I could see him climbing back into that top role uh, and or Donato. But uh, Leonard's really in jeopardy of losing that top six situation after floundering over the last five games, as you suggested. I want to highlight Brent Burns as a guy that might be ready to challenge to be one of the top scoring defensemen once again. He's off to a very nice start with four points today, looking really engaged and 
logging a lot of ice time as usual. But I'm a little more concerned by Eric Carlson. Three assists on the docket, but uh, really not. I can't say the same about looking as engaged as Burns has to date. And so that's a big ticket item that they need more from on the back end. These guys both figure to be top 10 scorers uh, among defensemen in the league. But I know I'd bet more money on Burns in that regard than Carlson. Let me just say that. The St. Louis Blues up next in our consideration. This is a team that figures to be one of the juggernauts in their division. And uh, so far, so good, I'll say. Uh, The mix is very familiar in terms of most of the key pieces up front. Jordan Kiryu is a guy that they hope to round out their top six. He's off off to the races with six points so far. A bit of a surprise contributor that we didn't forecast. But right now, he's locked in and looking really good alongside Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz on a very experienced and good-looking second unit. We wanted to see what the fit would be for Tory Krug in defense here. He's He's been a little bit slow in terms of the offensive co- contributions with only two points, but a plus two means that he's not hurting this team at, at the other end of the ice either. I look for him to emerge as a prolific scorer. Justin Falk will always wear the uh, Alex Petrangelo departure. He's got two goals to show for his record, but a nice plus five, so he's probably feeling better about his game than he was at any point last season. So there's some positive signs to report from uh, newcomers to this fit mix here, veteran and youngster that I've highlighted so far. Bennington doing what Bennington has done since he started in the league, playing regularly, playing well. But I want to see what they've got in Ville Huso. We haven't seen much of him at all this season, and at some point he's going to have to spell the youngster. Uh, He didn't look good in his first appearance and was drilled for uh, a goals against average. That's a seven uh, so far this season, so far in his two appearances. Nine goals against, uh, not looking good there. He has to write that. Otherwise, uh, those are points lost that could be the difference that makes St. Louis uh, a third-place finisher in their division, as uh, most people forecast. I absolutely agree. It's a it's a concern when you don't have another option. But I, I think you just you know Bennington's young. He's in his twenties. Just just roll with him. Just let him see as as much workload as he can take. Obviously, you don't want him to get hurt. But uh, I think they're going to have to just give him a, as many games as he's willing to take on. I think if there's one surprising thing for me about these Blues, it's that Mike Hoffman slots in as as the third uh, on the third line here and his production shows for it one goal one assist through five games that's not why you bring in Mike Hoffman Mike Hoffman comes in to be uh, almost a a goal every night guy um, every other night kind of guy for you so I'd definitely be a little concerned about not only uh, his production but his spot in the lineup as well Uh, in terms of, of the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, much more of the same for these guys. They just continue to steamroll uh, through through the league and, and uh, no reason to expect them to not continue to do so. Yes, they've only played four games, so a little bit less because of some cancellations, but three wins in those outings, uh, and they're using their, their main guy, Andre Vasilevsky, has played all four of those contests. And so maybe a bit of a silver lining for them if they were considering uh, going – with a, a, a backup option here to spell him, he got a free game off tonight with that, that cancellation. So uh, he'll, he'll get the opportunity to, to rest up and, and should be ready for, for Thursday's game. And I expect to see uh, this team continue to produce at, at the same level. They've got the offensive pieces, uh, even without, uh, Ter- uh, not Tarasenko, I'm sorry, uh, Kucherov in the lineup. That hasn't really slowed them offensively that much anyway. 
Uh, Stamco six points, Braden point five, Victor Hedman five as well. So uh, really just uh, not much to, to knock on the defending champions and, and they're going to make uh, every run at the repeat performance here. Yeah, and they've added in a piece that was a high draft pick not so long ago in Cal Foot. So the rich are getting richer, and he's getting his feet wet behind the, the championship roster here. I look for big things from him once he gets his footing, so no pun intended there. I guess I did that in, unintentionally, AJ. Curtis <laughs> McElhenney, former Maple Leaf, worth a mention in the fact that he is dealing with the COVID s- symptoms, and so they've brought up Chris Gibson to be their backup. At some point, they're going to lean on their backups here, and that'll be a telltale sign to see if, if they can hold up their end of the bargain behind Vasilevsky, who I figure will be a workhorse for this club. When I looked at the schedule, AJ, we both looked at it and thought, geez, I wonder if there's any top goalies that will emerge as, as real uh, to continue with the same rate of games played that we've seen in the past. I think you can say that Vasilevsky and and uh, Connor Hallibuck still at the head of the class. We'll get to Hallibuck short, uh, shortly, but uh, bears mentioning that I re- revised my view on the goalie usage uh, because I think without the uh, hectic travel schedules with the two or three games in each city, that makes it a little bit more realistic to say that you'll see goalies play multiple games in a row uh, more readily than we might have anticipated at the start of this this campaign. All right, we get to talk about the 5-2 and two Maple Leafs. That's why I've been smiling throughout this episode, AJ. My team's off to a very nice start, and uh, last game might be symptomatic, though, of some, some things turning a little bit when I consider that two of the three goals the Leafs scored were not actually shot into the net. They were kind of deflections and kind of cheap-looking goals, but uh, I have a lot of faith in this high-octane offense, and uh, Matt Mitch Marner is leading the pack in terms of scoring productivity. He looks engaged and motivated. That was something that he freely admitted that he didn't have when uh, when the games were played in the playoffs last year. He's had come with a different mindset, and uh, the team is better for it. And one of the beneficiaries is the guy that plays on the opposite wing from him on Matthew's line, and that's Jimmy Vesey. He's got a couple of goals and looks like a real nice fit on that top uh, top six on the left wing behind Zach Hyman, who's back and cast in the role that I'd like to see him in, playing top six minutes as well on the left side with the likes of Tavares and Nylander. Uh, that duo has been sensational since the beginning of the season. So uh, the Leafs blessed with six uh, players who really are well suited to the top six of their lineup. And that affords them to play the likes of Wayne Simmons and Ilya Mikhaev around Alex Kerfoot, who looks faster than he has uh, did last season to me. So the top nine really engaged uh, and, and looking good for Toronto. And on defense, Morgan Riley looks like the Morgan Riley of old coming off a three-assist game. He figures to be easily in the top 10 scorers among defensemen and uh, forming a good partnership with TJ Brody, who looks more comfortable of late. Freddie Anderson, after a bit of a suspect start, looked better in the last couple, and Jake, Jack Allen doing what no Leaf backup goalie's done in years, and that's record wins in the first two starts that he's got so far this season. Yeah, unfortunately, if, if that injury turns out to be anything severe, it's it's going to be back to Michael Hutchinson. Bite your tongue. Uh, Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. <laughs> You know, so I, I, I agree, though. You know, uh, I, I will say, Paul, you were, you were very quick to point out that Carey Price had a sub-900 uh, save percentage, but 
conveniently left that stat out when talking about Freddie Anderson <laughs> and the second place Toronto Maple Leafs uh, here. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that, you know, and I'll move on to the Vancouver Canucks. Nice shots uh, fired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, with the Canucks, I, I think if there's a, if there is a concern for me, it's, it's maybe a bit of the offense here in terms of uh, Elias Pettersson, which is one goal, one assist, mm-hmm through eight games. Uh, you definitely want more out of him. No concerns out of Bo Horvat. He's got 10 points in eight games. So uh, no slowing him down. And here's a guy, you know, that hits all the boxes, right? Paul, he's got six of his points at even strength four on the power play. So he's producing in all areas of the ice. Quinn Hughes has seven points. So really, I think for them, it's just a matter of getting Pedersen going. Uh, I don't know if they need to shake things up or not. Uh, to kind of uh, get him uh, fired up. But I really wouldn't want to mess with that second line too much. You've got the the rookie, Nils Hoglander, has two goals and two assists as well. He's uh, taking on a, a pretty prominent role for this club. Uh, and I, I like everything they're doing. It's just going to be a matter of putting it together uh, and in all pieces. And it it's going to come down to Pedersen. I think that's where they're at. Um, they could obviously get some better play out of Braden Holpe. He's got just a 0.888 save percentage right now. Thatcher Demko has been even, uh, even worse in terms of the, the goals allowed. Um, so I, they need to get better there, but if they can't get Pedersen going at some point here, uh, things might start to drop off for the rest of the lineup in my opinion. Yeah. I'm keeping an eye on a couple of guys on their blue line, AJ, Nate Schmidt and Alex Edler, Nate Schmidt, Figured to be a really good fit, and I like him partnered with Eller on the top pair, Edler on the top pairing there. But it's down the depth chart. Ole Olivi finally getting a look. See, this guy was a top draft pick here not so long ago, and finally making the grade. And if he can find his way, I think this guy's got an offensive side to his game that's worth watching. Jordy Ben, a very nice foil for Quinn Hughes on the back end. We know that Quinn Hughes is a run-and-gun type, so a steady stay-at-home guy like Ben, key to his success as well. So uh, keep an eye on that pairing. uh, I think it's a nice fit. They will suffer for the absence of Travis Hominick. He's out for a couple of games on the IR, and uh, that's a blow to their depth on the blue line. I'm uh, also a little bit concerned for Braden Holpe. We've talked about several goalies, some veterans around the league. He sports an, uh, an unsightly 370 goals against average and a sub-90% save percentage. So while you highlighted Freddie Anderson with a cheap shot, I'll, I'll throw Braden Holpe in there. as another veteran goalie who's off to a bit of a slow start, slower start than the Leaf uh, stalwart. So uh, there you go. Uh, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> Now, next up, uh, we've got to go to uh, the Vegas Knights. This is a team all hitting on all cylinders, AJ. I like what I see out of this squad. They've got that goaltending tandem that we figured to be uh, a real boon for this club. And so far, both of those guys more than holding up their end of the bargain. And Shea Theodore, well, I thought he would have to take a bit of a backseat to Alex Pietrangelo. You have to like what he's delivering offensively with six points already this season. So he's not really ready to seed the top scoring defenseman situation to the newcomer Pietrangelo who was given an A to to show that he's considered part of the leadership core and very highly respected here as well so nice one-two punch on the back end there 
in in uh, Vegas, and they've got a ton of experience around them. So very solid looking on the back end. And offensively, Chandler Stevenson making a case to be included when we talk about top six types here. He's got three points in the early going and gets the plum assignment between Stone and Pacioretty going forward. So uh, pretty sneaky good DFS value play the way I see it. The second line long term has been intact for Vegas They've been there together much of the time since this franchise started. Willie Carlson, flanked by Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault, solidifying a top six among the four more formidable in the league. From there, it's a bit of a drop-off, though. They've got Nicholas Roy, Keegan Colasar, and Alex Tuck, probably the best known and best producer among the bottom six types here, uh, they they would like to bolster that group, I guess, uh, if, if you're looking to pin pick prick little holes in this depth chart that might be the one weakness that i see well i would also point out you know chandler stephenson as as the top center i I think that's a position that that maybe they need to address is is to get deeper at the center position heading uh, into the rest of the season maybe a trade that can happen here one goal two assists through six games so the numbers aren't terrible um but you would expect somebody playing with Mark Stone and Match Patch already to have a little bit more uh, oomph behind them. I, I guess I will say that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned the netminers. Look, they, they've gotten probably the best netmining tandem in, in the league. When you talk about the fact that Robin Leonard is 2-1, and one, uh, a 2.68 goals against average, and he's the worst of the two goalies. Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, three wins and three starts, .951 save percentage. He's uh, just been dominating right now and, and they'll continue to split those guys. So I would expect we'll see Robin Leonard tonight uh, though. Uh, no, as far as I know, unless something's changed, we won't get any confirmation out of them until uh, you know, that they hit the ice. The goaltending situation in Washington is, is a little muddled right now with Ilya Samsonov uh, on the, on the COVID list there after contracting COVID-19 Vidic Vanasek has taken the, the load for them. And, you know, they've had a, a pretty busy time here of late. They went uh, into extra time with, with Pittsburgh uh, in his, his uh, first start of, of three in a row, then back-to-back extra time sessions with the Sabres, won one, lost one. Um, so he's getting plenty of work, which I think means we should probably see, expect to see Craig Anderson here at some point, um, like I said, with Samsonov off, uh, out for at least another two games, they'll also be without Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, and Orlov for those two contests. Tom Wilson also picks up an injury. So there's a lot uh, of, of missing guys in action right now. Uh, Wilson is kind of a doubt for tonight. As it stands, we'll probably see Vrana, Backstrom, and Oshie making up that top line. But again, a lot of that will depend on whether Tom Wilson can play tonight. Yeah, you mentioned with the likes of Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Wilson out, that means that they're going to press in into service Connor McMichael, a young 19-year-old. He's going to get second-line minutes alongside Lars Eller and Richard Ponick, two veteran guys who can move the puck around. So could be a, a cheap DFS value play the next time uh, this team suits up to look at Connor McMichael if he gets that role, uh, though Carl Haglin is behind him, and I could easily see the veteran making for a trio of vets on that second 
second unit. So keep an eye on the way we show the lineups uh, before their next start. Zdeno Chara playing second line minutes with Justin Schultz doing what Zdeno Chara does. He's a very disruptive defenseman defensively, but we want to highlight the offensive types in, in this roster for DFS purposes and fantasy play. So we got to talk about John Carlson. He's got five points so far, minus one uh, on the plus minus side there so a bit of bit of a suspect start that way but that might be more due to the lack of uh, consistency in the goaltending situation particularly now that Ilya Samsonov's out, out that's further threatened so uh, these guys are going to be asked to tread water with so many key faces out of their lineup and uh, in that minefield of a division they're in that's a that's a tall order AJ in my opinion. And uh, finally, we wind it up with talk of the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to look forward to seeing what that distribution of playing time is in the middle of the ice once they get their newcomer in the fold when Dubois, Dubois finally suits up. But in the meantime, it's still a formidable top six. And uh, credit to the likes of Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, who have fit in very well on the wings to give this team a dynamic look that is, uh, means we have to talk much more about the wingers than, than we have in the past, focusing just on the middle of the ice. These are two wingers that, f- for me, are among the better ones in, the le- in this division for sure, and possibly the whole league when you consider their skill sets, uh, re- consistent scorers and good value plays in DFS more often than not. On the back end, Josh Morrissey is a guy that they're looking for more out of offensively. He's got three assists to date, a plus three on the plus minus. He uh, is a guy that they're expecting to drive a lot of the offense on the back end. Same can be said for Neil Pionk. He's got four assists. So the productivity in terms of assists is there. They haven't scored yet. And so uh, we're looking forward to that that situation to change. Connor Hellebuck continuing to get the lion's share of the goaltending assignments and he figures to continue to do so uh, in the early going. But Laurent Bossois, uh, for me, a credible secondary option, already has picked up a win in one of his two starts this season. And uh, so the goaltending in capable hands, but I, I do expect Hellebuck to play among the league leaders in terms of the starts that he has this year in the NHL. Absolutely uh, agree with that, Paul. Um, you know, the, the backup situation, a little more stable in, in Winnipeg than in Tampa. So it's possible that uh, Vasilevsky sees more starts, if only because there, there's less, uh, you know, kind of trust there. Um, you know, as far as the rest of this lineup goes, look, I think one thing that's important to watch is how long it's going to take Pierre-Luc Dubois to, to clear quarantine and, and protocol. Now, everything said two weeks um, moving from the U.S. to Canada and that he'll miss seven, seven games over that stretch. I think if, if that is uh, what happens here, there's not going to be a lot of teams that are going to want to wait to the trade deadline to make any sort of moves here. If you're going to have a guy out, if you're going to get him at the deadline and then he can't play for two weeks, potentially, uh, I just think it's going to move up the, the time frame for this. And, and we may see, uh, you know, unless things change drastically, we may see one of our shortest, uh, you know, uh, or slowest actual deadline days as more of these moves get moved up in, into the year. And that's our look at the 31 clubs. Uh, we are now in the position to give a nod to our second sponsor that we are very fortunate to have, and that's Monkey Knife Fight. I've had a lot of fun getting to familiar with this site, AJ. Now that your season-long fantasy hockey leagues have started, this is a great time to check out our friends at Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest-growing site in daily fantasy. The NHL and NBA are in full swing, and NFL playoffs 
are winding down, but have been exciting, haven't they? The time is now to take advantage of a 100% instant match up to $50 on your first deposit by using the promo code WIRE. Visit monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code WIRE today. All right, buddy. In terms of final thoughts, you ticked me off with, with your shots against my Maple Leafs <laughs> and Freddie Anderson. So it's time for me to propose a dollar bet. I'm going to go right to the throat. Leafs, Penguins. Leafs get more points than Pittsburgh this year. I mean, I, I, I think you're probably right because your division's significantly easier oh than, than the Penguins' division. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't have walkover teams like Ottawa in our division. So, uh, But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, I, I will take that bet. You know, I'm, I'm putting myself at a disadvantage. Even if I win, I don't really get full value here because the Canadian dollar is still below the U.S. dollar. But, Shots galore. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm willing to take that one straight up on a number of points at the end of the season. Uh, my, I think my Penguins will come out on top. All right. I hope we get to do the presentation in Vegas for the last couple of years. You've had my number, but uh, I, I think this one's a lock for me. And I wonder what our listeners think about that, AJ. But uh, good for you for taking it. You're, you're a stand-up guy, and this just proves it because this, this was a sucker bet, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up, wraps up our look around the league. Thanks for listening to Podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. It's Rotowire's signature fantasy hockey podcast with the support of our sponsor, Owner's Box. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholz24. Don't forget, you can watch this pod on YouTube at Rotowire Hockey. As always, we invite you to listen to the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 